Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us this week is Jim Mish, who is the CEO of 22nd Century Group. Welcome aboard, Jim. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be uh, great to be on with you, folks. Yeah. So you know, Twenty Second Century is you know it's a your Nasdaq traded company, um, which is you know an agricultural biotech company focused, of course, in the cannabis space. But you're looking at um, a bit broader market section. A lot of other com- a lot of firms that are involved. Tell us a little bit about uh, the company. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, at our core, we are a plant-based biotechnology company. Our value proposition is that we've chosen uh, three specific plants to focus on, and they all have uh, similar things in common. Number one, they're all part of what we call the alkaloid-based uh, family of plants, which are mm-hmm. typically very difficult to uh, uh, change and modulate and very difficult to cultivate. But they also uh, have components that are known to be very efficacious for human beings and animals, whether it's nicotine or lack thereof in tobacco or cannabinoids in cannabis or hoploids in hops, mm-hmm. very efficacious to uh, humans, and uh, service large and growing markets anywhere from pharmaceutical to consumer products, uh, food, beverage, nutritional supplements, etc. So we've chosen those very carefully, and our value proposition is that we can disruptively modulate those plants and cultivate them uh, really within a two-year development cycle versus sometimes five to seven years or often 10 to 15 years, especially in cannabis and in, uh, and in hops. Right. So we, uh, that's really the core of the business. And then we go downstream from there into ingredients of cannabinoids, biomass of cannabinoids, or also a heavily weighted into the tobacco space with our low nicotine technology and a recent launch of a very low nicotine brand of cigarettes that are minimally or not addictive uh, per the FDA authorizations. And that, that in a nutshell is, is 22nd century. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about how finicky the plant is, and that's something which, you know, people who are not participating in the production side of the industry sometimes have a hard time to grasp how you can plant the same varietal twice and get it can express completely different compounds at the end of the growth cycle. That seems to be something you're really focused on is not just a standardization, but the uh, consistent output for particular uses of the and applications of the, uh, the compounds. How are you addressing that with across, you know, you've got facilities in multiple States and from a consistency perspective, how are you handling that? Because you know, temperature, light, every factor really does change what the plant expresses. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And, and honing in on cannabis and hemp in particular, that is a very, you know, very sensitive and, and delicate plant to, uh, to modulate uh, and to, uh, to cultivate and stabilize. So our, our approach is very comprehensive. So we, you know, we start with understanding how these ingredients work and how that would impact the strain improvement that we'd be targeting. And we do that on a gene editing basis. It's a non-GMO basis with our partnership at Key Gene Labs, which are one of the greatest gene editing groups in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. We have exclusively modulated cannabis with them, utilizing our biosynthetic technology compared with their gene editing processes, which is very unique. Mm-hmm. And what that allows to do at a small scale, uh, at the clone scale or seedling scale, is to really disrupt the plant in many ways, extremely high levels or low levels of THC, for example. 
extremely high levels of CBD or low levels of CBD, depending on what you're looking for. And we can stabilize that plant and optimize it uh, on a genetic basis from the very beginning. But it doesn't stop there. That gives you the, you know, the, a small scale R&D level uh, scale of a plant. We then work with the expert breeders who know how to breed alkaloid-based plants better than anyone else in the world. Partnership uh, there with a company called Extractus in uh, Tasmania, as it turns out. And that's how you can grow the plant in a very stable method. Uh, and it is very challenging. It will change sexes on you. It'll, be, it'll cross-breed on you very easily. So it has to be edited uh, genetically with the plant from the very beginning. So the combination of understanding what ingredients we're targeting to improve the plant, doing it through very sophisticated gene editing, non-GMO basis that helps stabilize the plant in the very small scale, and then working with breeders to scale that up both in greenhouses and on farms, then yields a plant strain that is disruptive in nature uh, from a content but also very stable, and that will lead to higher quality for the consumer and the finished goods, and also lower cost for both the consumer and our customers. Yeah, and you know, I think a, a lot of people don't realize, and you know, I know a lot of our listeners do, but the general marketplace doesn't realize. Uh, you know, we're building like I, I built a facility, and it's an agricultural production facility to a pharmaceutical standard. And, you know, there are certifications around the world that help verify that you're meeting those standards. And it sounds like, you know, that's a path you've been going down, but also you're not just looking at the production and you've re uh, back in May, you did an acquisition of uh, a, a biopharma company um, to assist in the development and manufacturing end of the production as well. How's that, how's that gone um, for you? Yeah, it's, it's going extremely well, and it fits into our overall value chain. And so I've created what I believe is a very unique asset uh, in the world, very comprehensive turnkey solution type of a uh, company in cannabis and hemp, and then have applied uh, a driving force of getting the highest level of standard of quality to service the industry all the way up to white labeling and formulation work. We are not a branded company. Our branded companies are our customers that we'd like to serve and help them position themselves better for the consumer market. So our value chain consists of receptor science on a multidimensional basis, understanding it at any given time how multiple cannabinoids can work on a receptor basis mm -hmm. for a variety of therapeutics. We start there. Uh, and do, and you we, spend, do you spend much or invest much into research? I know in the U.S. it's a bit more complicated than other jurisdictions, but do you use facilities around the world to help you with that research? Absolutely. Uh, our, at our core, we're a plant biotechnology company and really an R&D driven type of company. So mm -hmm. uh, the technology and the R&D takes place actually in Rochester, New York uh, with uh, our Canometrics facility. Okay. And um, we can do very high throughput experimentation to understand uh, given a desired therapeutic, it could be on the pharmaceutical side, it could be something for anti-anxiety, et cetera, so to help to set the stage looking at multiple cannabinoids at once through high throughput computer type of screening to start to put science behind the, the notion of the entourage effect and understanding the endocannabinoid system on a multi-dimensional level, much like a pharmaceutical would. That's where our interest in cannabinoid starts. And then we proceed with upscale gene editing to dis create disruptive plants, 
breed them in the most sophisticated manner basis. And then where GVB biopharma acquisition has fit in is to then utilize high standard extraction methodologies to get high uh, quality ingredients and then utilize those ingredients uh, with our customers for formulation work and packaging work at our CDMO facility in Las Vegas. And every chance we get, we want to improve the standard of use. So for example, what we acquired from GVB had CGMP capabilities at the extraction facilities and cultivation facilities in Oregon, and also at the CDMO uh, facility in Las Vegas. We're proceeding to get pharmaceutical grade certification. We're already well in process with that mm-hmm. at all those locations. And we already have that in place at Canometrics, at Keygene, at uh, Extractus, yep. where we do the breeding. Mm-hmm. So that's our yep. philosophy. I mean, Canmetrics is well known for that. And I know that I've engaged on a couple of things in the past with them regarding it. And, you know, the CGMP certification is is excellent because it also is, you know, it's different from EU GMP in that in the recognition, but it is recognized worldwide. And it's all about continuous, you know, it, the C is for continuous in terms mm-hmm. of it continually evolves. And it's not just a stake in the ground and you stay back to it. It's how are you moving forward either on every front? And I think that's something which a lot of firms need to really look at. Yeah. And I'm really getting the highest quality of, of ingredients out there to uh, make a compelling case to the consumer around uh, quality, mm-hmm. around confidence of the finished goods and efficacy. Ultimately, as claims become more tangible and, and became become allowable, that's going to be more important. And I think the consumer wants to understand how these products work. And if you can explain the science and offer the highest quality, uh, you know, you will become a dominant player in that particular branded space, uh, regardless of the end use market, whether it's ethical pharmaceuticals or consumer goods, beverages, etc., or on the recreational side. I, I think the every day the consumer gets more savvy and they want to understand how the products are working and be convinced that they are working. And that's what we're positioning for, to, to insert ourselves with our customers in partnerships and help them drive that business model forward. Yeah, and you know, it's a good point uh, that's there because early on, you know, if you use the technology analogy, early there's the early adopters who pick up things years before anybody else. And then there's the early adopters who come after those. And it's almost in many areas, that's where cannabis still is. But then there's the mass adopters, and they really want to understand what will this do for me? Not just a, I know this is going to work, and I know you know how to build a, a compilation of tools or you know compounds that get me the result I want. People want to be able to go in and see, you know, just like they do with let's say a Tylenol, uh, this is going to help my headache. They know that with a you know a topical, this is going to help specifically with arthritis pain in this area or a different one with psoriasis. Um, whereas in this stage, it's still very much the people who know and have spent the time investigating as opposed to people who will pick up the product, read the label and say, oh, this works for me. Um, and that's a, yeah. a stage where it's approaching quickly. Yeah. And in this, in this current market, the only, the only group that has actually done that is, uh, you know, GW Farm, now Jazz Farm yep. on the uh, Epidiolex. And mm-hmm. that was on one therapeutic with one ingredient, uh, and uh, you know it's 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 uh, it's been quite successful. What we have the capability now of doing is saying, look, if you're looking for a um, anti-inflammatory uh, therapeutic, 
Mm -hmm. uh, not only can we look at that from an early stage with one cannabinoid, what does CBD do or CBG do? Mm -hmm. we, can, we can combine any number of the 100 plus cannabinoids, even the rarest ones, which we have reference samples uh, and standards on, and start to frame out what that therapeutic pathway is and what the receptor pathway is to explain to our customers, here's how these products work. And now you can be looking at, you know, a hundred cannabinoids at once uh, in order to optimize that uh, mix. That's what we're offering with uh, Canometrics. It's not the end game. Of course, if you want to make a strong claim, the clinical testing would have to go on, but we can narrow the focus of that uh, testing dramatically within a very short period of time. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's excellent because time is always, it's people's friend and enemy both. Um, and speaking of which, we, it's time for us to take a, a short break for our sponsors, but we'll be back in a moment with Jim Mish with uh, 22nd Century Group. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Jim Mish from 22nd Century Group. And Jim, you know, circling back a bit, you did the, the acquisition of GVB Pharma um, back in May. And a lot of people who are operating the industry as we go forward, uh, M&A is going to become more and more important. In the early stages, everybody's building out, but then there's consolidation. When you look at M&A, what stands out is going to be, you know, the most important factors for a business like yours in terms of deciding what's the right target? Because it's not just about today, it's about tomorrow. Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think that the first step in that is recognizing, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and, and making that difficult call, and it's always hard to have discipline around it, you can't be all things to all people. So, you know, we've, we've uh, pulled a strategy together uh, from, you know, five to seven years of, of understanding the market with the experience we have on the team to say, look, here's what we want to be when we grow up. And I, I explained it before, everywhere from uh, owning the receptor science part of the value chain, which is the very earliest stage, all the way up to white labeling and everything in between. We don't want to be in brands. We want to make the brands better. We want to make them more efficacious. We want to make them more cost effective so that the consumer uptake is and the confidence continues in the right direction. So that's what we want to be. Then when you take a look at that, you can split it into the various components. There's receptor science, there's breeding, there's genetics, et cetera. There's CDMO packaging. And what we're looking for, of course, is to expand that uh, revenue stream and profit stream at every way possible. That could mean geographic expansion uh, with groups that are doing this in the right way in, uh, in other regions. They may have different technologies, extraction technologies that are cutting edge, and we can scale up and, and get comfortable with that scale up to improve the standardization and the cost effectiveness uh, and, and the quality at the same time. But the common theme is really identifying those groups who are applying the right standards. And as any industry develops, uh, you know, the cream rises to the top and those who are in it for the long term and applying those kind of standards will not only survive, but thrive. And those are the kind of either partnerships or M&A targets that we would want to look at. So we've now built out what I would say is the foundation of the, uh, of the business unit in this value chain that I've described. Mm -hmm. But now we're looking at, uh, you know, refining it, uh, 
CDMO capabilities in other regions that are that are already well established and, and applying the right standards and different types of technologies to uh, to expand upon. So that's that's our approach to MA. Yeah, and you know something you said there is really of keen importance to anybody who's looking and you know considering where they're going in the future. What you're doing today isn't necessarily what you're doing tomorrow. And I mean the most glaring example I think is IBM, which used to just manufacture hardware and today is purely a services company. And in cannabis, we're going to see the same things. We just don't know when all of those transitions are going to happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's there's many, you know, components that drive that future state. And you have to know which ones you want to play in and which ones you have the, the infrastructure to play in. I'm, you know, I'm amazed uh, that there's not a, been a lot of work regarding the, you know, the bioavailability of these ingredients in finished goods. I mean, everybody right. can understand the bioavailability in the biomass itself or the flour itself. Yep. But um, you know, the, these cannabinoids are not uh, quick to uptake uh, and are not quickly bioavailable. There are, you know, a massive amount of excipients on the marketplace that are FDA approved for food use, for pharmaceutical use, that could dramatically improve the efficacy of these products. Right. And no one's really paying attention to that. And that's that's where we're trying to fit into that mix. Uh, we're not excipient manufacturers, but we have excipients experience and applying that to the CDMO process. And that's a part of the evolution to this future state. Yeah. And, you know, with that... Um and the future state and actually a little bit going back towards acquisitions, are there areas in the industry you look at as being ticking time bombs where a lot of money has been invested? People are looking at how, you know, how to improve or getting involved because they see the, the activity, but really your word market's already passed it. We just haven't recognized it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has. And, and again, it's, it's perhaps, where you focus your efforts on, I think, in the early stages of the, the cannabis market, uh, on the uh, you know whether it's the medical side or the consumer side or recreational side, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the, the big part of the focus on the finished goods have been around kind of the the easier tasks around uh, flavoring, around the you know the texture, of the mouthfeel, about the and you know, the claims that are being put on the package, uh, presuming that that. The quality is there and the bioavailability is there, but no one has gone more sophisticated yet beyond that and say, well, you know, we, we do need to trend towards stronger and stronger claims, mm-hmm. but ultimately will be bound by regulatory guidelines from, you know, whether it's the FDA or EFSA or whomever. Uh, but in order to really accomplish that, um, much like the, the consumer markets have already found out, application chemistry and formulation chem- chemistry and understanding that uh, along with the other tangibles of flavors and mouthfeel, et cetera, are of, of critical importance. And uh, I think that evolution is, is coming as the consumers will demand higher and higher efficacy and higher and higher proof that the product is, uh, is working. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, but I actually take it a little bit further in terms of, you know, we've, everybody in the industry has made, uh, has taken assumptions and taken the data and information from other groups to, to manage and build out what they're doing and what they're planning on doing for the next few years. And, you know, that, that goes down to even um, all the banks and analysts were predicting back in 2019 
that by 2022, uh, extracts and derivative products would greatly outpace um, usage and demand for flour. But that hasn't happened. And how, how do you prepare for uh, the broad range? And what do you think is going to drive the most growth over the next three years? Where would, you know, are you, would you bet on flour still being as significant? Or do you really see there's a particular product that's going to overtake it in terms of a delivery method? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and the way I look at it is there is going to be a significant market for both flour and for uh, distillates, isolates, and finished goods, uh, you know, formulated finished goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flour kind of speaks for itself. You know, if yes. you have a high quality, stable flour, that's going to you know, do well in the marketplace. It's efficacious. And it's mostly going to be for, I'd say, the recreational or the medical side. So that's, I think that's fairly straightforward. I think the, there's an equal amount of opportunity on distillates, isolates, and formulated products. But where the industry, I believe, has fallen down is that there's just been too many players out there with poor quality products, with big, bold claims. They've poisoned the marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. That's starting to sort itself out. The quality of the, the distillate and the isolates are getting better and better. Uh, the ability to formulate with them is on the right trajectory, but really still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. But the way, you know, the way to increase the efficacy around the bioavailability has really been all but totally ignored. And what that yields is a product, um, whether it's an ingredient or a distillate or an isolate or what have you, where the quality uh, confidence is not there, where the efficacy confidence is not there, where the understanding of how the products work is not there. And that's what has, I believe, derailed the, uh, the ingredient side of the fence. And that's exactly why I've created what I believe is a very comprehensive uh, solution to provider approach mm-hmm. to dig in on that with our strategic partners and help them along with that, utilizing our, our expertise and, and letting the expertise of channel and branding and marketing uh, build from that to go on. But that's, that's, why, that's why I believe the market has not developed on the extraction side of the fence because the confidence fell off very quickly. And I think rightfully so based on the quality and consistency of products that have been out there. It, that has been a big issue in the, you know, on the medical side, it's also been a question of physicians not knowing what to prescribe or recommend and how to recommend uh, the intake of the product mm-hmm. for a variety of conditions. It's right. still very much uh, anecdotal as opposed to data driven. And that's, right. you know, what you're describing in terms of your end of the education process is something that's sorely lacking globally um, from the physician side. And it's, yeah. uh, that's the limiter on the market. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a good example. How, how could a physician know if, you, if you're looking at tinctures uh, and whether it's uh, on the hemp side or the cannabis side, you know, tinctures that are put into uh, with, let's say, high purity CBD uh, in MCT, um, you know, how can the physician know exactly what the, the dosages should be uh, when the bioavailability is so poor, I mean, one of the one of the worst things you can put CBD in for bioavailability is indeed MCT oil, which is typically what they're in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the dosage levels based on efficacy could be very large because no one has optimized the formulation for that purpose. 
uh, and then to feed that information into a physician uh, that you know would be able to then prescribe it. So again, it's a whole, it's, it's very complicated to some extent, but if you follow some of the other industries that have evolved with biofunctionals or mm-hmm. APIs, uh, they have followed the same pathway and those individuals who can teach and, and develop the data set, the science behind uh, these products uh, typically, you know, end up in a very dominant and valuable uh, position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jim, we do have to take one more short break, but we'll be back in a moment with Jim Mesh from 22nd Century Group on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Jim Mesh the, uh, from 22nd Century Group. And Jim, you know, we talked about the future. We've talked about, you know, standards of quality, which is something that has been applied very unevenly in the, the market around the world and even across the U.S. And it's going to be a differentiator uh, globally as more and more um, regions legalize, but also as products become much more standardized so that you know when you pick up a certain product in a market what you're getting. You know, I, I always use the analogy, if you pick up aspirin in Tokyo or New York or London, that's the same. And we have to get there with cannabis-based products that are uh, treating conditions. Otherwise, we're doing a disservice to the patients who won't get the, the outcomes they're expecting. And when you think about that, which future products excite you the most? Yeah, I, first, I fully agree with your, your analysis because even, even to add to it, the regulatory bodies, whether it's FDA in the U.S. or EFSA or the EU uh, you know, embodiment, will need that consistency and stability to ultimately put safety standards around it down to the mm-hmm. consumer level and, and even more so at the pharmaceutical uh, driven by the clinical studies, which are often not done, so let's say, for consumers. So that in order to get any of these products uh, stable in the marketplace, that's going to have to be done. You've seen recent activity in the EU again of, uh, of uh, putting a hold on uh, food safety grade uh, cannabinoids based on the uncertainty of the stability out there and the consistency. So that's going to go on and on until this is resolved, uh, you know, once and once and for all. Right. So fully agree with, you know, with the process. And that's why we've set up 22nd century to, to be a value add in that, in that value chain. When I take a look then at what, you know, what could the future hold and what would get you know, me most excited about the space, it's, mm-hmm. it's the unlimited nature of it. I mean, you can go anywhere from ethical pharmaceuticals for a variety of, of uh, therapeutics that are, that are already well documented as being plausible with the right clinical trials, given the right starting materials and, and um, excipient packages and delivery systems to work with. We get excited about. We've just scratched the surface with one, you know, FDA product out there in the world with Epidiolex. Yep. And we've just scratched the surface there. Imagine the possibilities, just not with a single ingredient cannabinoid, but now multiple combinations of cannabinoids. Well, and that's something which people, you know, everybody when they talk about, you know, and I, everybody I use the term loosely, but the broad general market talks when they talk about cannabis, they think of two compounds. Right. There's hundreds. 
Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, before coming to 22nd century, I, I carved out a business that was pharmaceutically derived cannabinoids, specifically for clinical trials. Right. And, uh, you know, that business still sells over 80, you know, 80 cannabinoids for these R&D purposes, but they can easily be scaled up on a, on a pharmaceutical basis or from a plant basis, such as, as we get. So the, you know, it's boundless opportunity in that space. But then you take a look at just, you know, one step below that in the, in the medical area. Uh, it gets even more excited. And then you take a look at the consumer space, the ability to you know, get this truly in the right way into uh, nutritional supplements, uh, food products, much like the omega-3 journey, yep. uh, and also the beverage market. Looking at, again, this vast array of, of biofunctionals, I think what people get lost in, and, and, I, and I did at the very beginning of, of my journey with cannabis, is you get honed in on the the THC part of the world, the recreational and medical part of the world with that particular cannabinoid and, and you zero in on that and then to a perhaps a lesser extent CBD. But if you just take a step back as a consumer products company would or a pharmaceutical company would, the uh-huh. plant has the ability to express hundreds of plant-based biofunctionals. That's right. the broadest look at it. And we've just not even scratched the surface of understanding the human efficacy of any of them beyond THC and CBD. And even those. Even those, we still don't, don't really exactly. have a full capacity to comprehend. Exactly. So you take a look at all these, the global growth markets, the end use markets that are looking at these plants and the, you know, north of a hundred cannabinoids you can get in an in infinite number of combinations. Uh, if you can't get excited about that from a, you know, from an opportunity basis, both on profit and both on science and serving consumer good, then, then I, I'm not sure what you can get excited about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I know I, I've, I've loved as I've been, you know, as I, as I learned about the industry, that was one thing, you know, starting off about seven, eight years ago now, but learning about all of the applications, you know, people, people laugh about, yeah, you, you know, you use uh, cannabis and you get the munchies. Mm-hmm. The reality is that's a phenomenal effect for people who have problems eating, right? People who have a eating disorder, they need help. They need assistance to get tr- trigger their brain to go and eat or people who are going through cancer treatments and aren't hungry. They need the food to survive those treatments. It's a phenomenal compound, but there's also a compound that's an appetite suppressant. People right. who want to lose weight, there's a compound in the plant. And if you can isolate it and you know what you're looking for, all of a sudden you're having a much healthier and better life. Right. And that's, that's, you know, that's one of our targeted approaches. We, you know, we have learned and identified that cannabinoid that uh, uh, potentially has efficacy around uh, uh, appetite suppression. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got programs in place on the plant genetic side to create a strain that would dramatically and disruptively increase that particular cannabinoid well beyond its capability today. Mm -hmm. And on the hopes of sponsoring and driving the right uh, consumer and clinical trials to get a claim moving forward. And that's part of that part of that value chain. But and it's, it's, again, it's very exciting and it's, it's still very one dimensional in, in general, it's cannabinoid by cannabinoid. And you start looking at two or three of these in combination uh, and how the synergies and a, and a true entourage effect can work and understanding that mapping, mm-hmm. uh, then it gets, you know, it gets very exciting very quickly. 
It does. You know, for listeners who want to learn more about, you know, that aspect of the industry, which is, you know, different from a lot of other businesses that are in the space, but incredibly valid in terms of the future. Um, you know, obviously your NASDAQ listed is uh, XXII, which is, of course, 22nd and uh, 2022nd, 20, in uh, Roman numerals. But um, also, what websites should they go and look at for learning about the business to, if they're looking at investing in the space or just part, uh, partnering with you? How do yeah, they find as you? you? As you said, uh, we're NASDAQ XXII, and you can find us on xxiicentury.com and uh, learn all about what we're doing in multiple spaces, uh, but in particular, uh, cannabis and hemp, we're, we're very excited about. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's exciting to see the work you're doing. Jim, we are out of time, but I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Green Peak this week. Uh, thank you so much for having me and uh, be, be happy to come back at any time. And it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Look forward to it. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. I'm Richard Zwicky. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.